Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Good morning, Trinity Church family. It's good to be with you this morning. Just before we turn to God's word, uh, let me just uh, say for for a moment um, how much we want to thank you for all your ongoing uh, love and prayers uh, and goodness towards us while we're here. Uh, We miss you uh, very much. Um, But, you know, as, as I was preparing for this morning, And and as I was reflecting, you know, I was thinking not many days go past in our household where in one way, shape or form, we're either praying for you or thinking back to a a lovely memory that we have of uh, of being with you. So all that to say is thank you for all your ongoing uh, prayers and love and support. We feel very much part of you and uh, we... um, and, and we miss you. So this comes with all of our love and thanks and prayers. We miss so much seeing you last summer. And uh, unsurprisingly, we're not going to be able to see you this summer. I think travel for us looks um, looks very unlikely. We're, we're not going to make it back this summer. So um, let me just again say, as I have this opportunity to turn to the Lord's word, that we uh, this comes with all our love and prayers in Christ uh, and our thanks for your ongoing partnership in the gospel. Please do then turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. This morning we're going to look at Mark chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Uh, I'll read the passage for us uh, and then I'll pray uh, as we turn to God's word. Mark chapter 2 verse 1. And when Jesus returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching to them. And when they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, Your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. Let's pray as we turn to God's word. 
Heavenly Father, we ask this morning something very simple, but indeed something very, very profound, that by your spirit you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your word, that we would see Jesus. That is what we pray. And that in so doing, in that beholding Christ, our hearts would be stirred to love him more dearly and to follow him more in our lives. We pray that Christ would be glorified this morning through his word. In his name we ask it. Amen. Friends, I want to ask as we begin this morning, what is Scotland's greatest need in this pandemic? Or or to put it slightly differently, what is Scotland's greatest need post-pandemic? Now, we're not there yet, are we? COVID, sadly, is still with us. But I'm starting to see places where those kind of questions are beginning to be asked. I I just saw an email come into my inbox yesterday advertising a conference that's running here in April, a big Christian conference running here in April in the United States. And one of the seminars with lots of key speakers are going to be talking and discussing. One of the seminars is what will the church look like in a in a post-COVID world. Those questions are starting to be asked. What do we need? What are things going to look like? Well, what might the answer be for life in Scotland? There's an election, is there not? A month or so away. Do we need the same government or a new government? The Scottish Parliament has been kind of strain-tested these last few weeks, has it not? Has that been okay or, or does it need reform? Do we need independence now as a nation or do we need to remain in the union? Do we want to be inside the EU or out of it? Can we live with some COVID or is zero COVID? Is that what we need? What does Scotland need? What is our greatest need? Be an interesting question to ask, isn't it? As you begin to see friends and go for a walk or or speak to a colleague over Zoom, what do you think Scotland needs now in a kind of post-COVID or a COVID world? Friends, as we address Mark 2 and as we come to this text and walk through it this morning, my prayer is is that as we're kind of eased slowly out of lockdown, what I want to try and do this morning is help us, if you like, to try and find our, our land legs. You know how it is. You're on a boat or a train or a plane for some time, and when you get off onto solid ground, you, you sometimes feel like you're still moving. You, you feel the motion is still kind of there. And and I think as you begin to ease out of lockdown, I think it could feel a little bit like that. Like getting off a boat that's been out servicing an an oil rig for a couple of weeks or months. And it comes in there to the harbour in Aberdeen, to into the mouth of the Dee. And it pulls in and and it's time to come off. And, And it's joyous, yes, we've been out at sea for such a long time, quarantined. But when we come off, it can sometimes feel a little bit disorientating. So my prayer, as we come to this passage and address that question, what is our greatest need as individuals in our church, in our city, in our country? What is our greatest need? My prayer is that this passage will help us to to keep our land legs, to keep sturdy and strong and steady in the days and weeks that lie ahead. And so as we come to Mark 2, I want to walk through it by posing three questions. And I've kind of already asked the first one. What do we need? What is our greatest need individually and as a society, as a city, as a nation? 
Where do we find it? Where do we go to find it? And thirdly, how are we going to respond to it? So, so three questions. What is our need? Where do we find it? And how are we going to respond? Well, firstly, I've already kind of asked this question and teed it up. But what is our greatest need? What is our absolute greatest need in these days as Christians, as a city, as a nation? What is our greatest need? In a word, and this is what Mark 2, 1 to 12 shows us, in a word, it is forgiveness. It is forgiveness. It is to know and to be right with our maker. So, so where do we see that? Well, we see it here at the beginning of Mark 2 and the first few verses, and it centers around a big surprise. There's a big surprise, doesn't it? This paralytic comes to Jesus. It's a familiar story. Most of us all know it well. He comes to Jesus, but he doesn't get, or at least initially doesn't get, what he's looking for. Look at verse 1. Jesus is in Capernaum. And we see at the end of verse 2, he's preaching. It's crowded. There's loads of people there. How we long for our houses to be like that again, don't we? After all this time in quarantine, it's, it's crowded. There's lots of folk there. And the paralytic comes, they, they brought by friends uh, on a mat. They, they can't get near him, so, so they go up and they lower him down through the roof. They make a hole in the roof. Now, it's funny, you, you read some of the commentaries on this as you prepare, and, and some of them are like, this is no big deal, but the roofs were made for this kind of thing back then. But I don't know about you, I read this and I think, there's someone coming down through the roof, right? It, it seems pretty drastic. If, if in your living room or your lounge, your kitchen, wherever you're watching this, if someone starts to lower down through the roof right now, I, I think you're going to say something about that. And this man is lowered in, his need is there for all to see. He cannot walk. And he's Lord. And what does Jesus say to him? He says to him in verse 5, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now it's interesting in verse 5, doesn't it? It's, it says he sees their faith. Do you, do you see that? When Jesus sees their faith. And of course implicit with that is he sees this man's faith. This man cu- comes to Jesus knowing that he needs Jesus. So do you see it? Do you see the surprise? Jesus doesn't give him what he's there for. Now, I can imagine the friends being a bit like, oh, good one, Jesus. Ah, good one. That's great for a laugh. You know, in in my head, I I hear these friends as being maybe from the east end of Glasgow or something. Like they've been in an episode of Still Game. You know, oh, Jesus, oh, he's just pulling her leg. Oh, good one. Yes, okay. Our spiritual health. But really, can't you see this man can't walk? He can't move his legs. Okay, I've maybe been away from Scotland for too long to say that they're from the East End of Glasgow. It's just how my mind works. But it just looks like a joke, doesn't it? He can't walk. His need is there for all to see. And Jesus says, no, son, the first thing I'm going to do is say your sins are forgiven. Jesus knows this man's greatest need. He knows better this man's greatest need is not the use of his legs. The use of his legs that would have brought freedom employment, a much easier life, maybe a family, much many more friends. It literally would have opened the world up to him. Just think about this world. I mean, it's not hard to look around and see great needs, is it? Isn't our need for COVID just to pack up and go home our most pressing need? Here, a couple of weeks ago in the United States, the state of Texas, they had terrible, terrible winter storms. People lacking food and clean water and electricity. It was terrible there. There were so many needs. Weren't their greatest need for for that just to pack up and go? Think about in our 
own lives or even some of the things I, I listed at the start about politics and government, all those things, are those not our greatest needs? Or personally, think of our finances, our family, our health, our passing classes and exams if we're at school, maybe finding employment, getting a job. But no, Mark is making the point that no material prosperity is more important than forgiven sins, than being right with your maker. That's what this passage is about in one word, forgiveness. As important as material needs are, they are not ultimately at the end of the day primary. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying, friends. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. Those things are so important. Indeed, think about how pressing those needs are for, for COVID-related things, for fuel and food and water in, te- in Texas, for your own needs financially or with work or whatever it is. Think about how th- pressing those things are. Jesus cares for them. Jesus is going to go on. He's about to heal this man, isn't he? We don't hate our bodies. We're going to have physical bodily resurrection. Christ teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. No, those things are so important. And those things are so important. Then think how pressing forgiveness must be to be at the very top of that list. And so, friends, I want to press home to us today that the problem of our age is not COVID-19. It's not transgenderism. It's not environmentalism. It's not expressive individualism. It's not government, my boss, my health, sexual liberation. You enter the blank. Know that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. That's what the Old Testament sets up the gospel to answer. That's what the Old Testament is driving at. Nothing has fixed the problem of the human heart. How can man live with his creator again? And so enter center stage, Mark 1, 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then the first words on Jesus' lips in Mark gospel, verse 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Friends, as lockdown eases, oh, what relief, what joy, what glimmers of light begin to appear at the end of what's been a very long tunnel. But may the Lord Jesus and his response to this paralytic remind us that the, the mission of the church, that of Christ and his gospel, that the biggest blessing we can be to Aberdeen, to Scotland, is to remind people their greatest and most pressing need is their forgiveness of their sin. So what do we need? Forgiveness, that is our greatest need. Second question then, where can it be found? Well, it can only be found in Christ. Now, verse 6, after Jesus says to this man, your sin are forgiven, verse 6, we see the scribes are unhappy. And and we're going to come back to that, okay? We're going to come back to that. But Jesus knows what's in his heart, in their hearts. And he he says to them then, just look down at verse 8. Why do you question these things in your hearts? Verse 9, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, take up your bed and walk? But so you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to the paralytic, rise, take up your mat and go. So the implication of Jesus' logic here is, is clear, isn't it? He, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. He, he says to the man, take up your bed and walk, and the man does it. And so if Jesus says, 
get up and walk and he does when he says he's forgiven he must be too that's the implication here that jesus has the authority to forgive this man and do you notice the title that jesus uses for himself in the middle of that in verse 10 so that you know the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins jesus is elevating himself here to god it's as simple as that he's claiming divinity for himself he's claiming the divine title of daniel 7 the son of man and he's saying that is me The Son of Man is used 14 times in Mark, and it's only ever on Jesus' lips. He alone has authority on earth to forgive sins. What do we need forgiveness? Where do we come for that? To Christ alone. When we wanted a visa to come to the U.S., we we had to go through the U.S. embassy. Only they could issue it. There was no use going to the Italian embassy for a U.S. visa or the Swiss embassy for the U.S. visa, right? Only the United States had the authority to give that for us. When we arrived here, I had to get a social security number. It's a little bit like a national uh, health or national insurance number, I guess. Maybe Americans watching this will tell me it's different, but I had to go to the office to get one of those. And I tell you, that is when I first knew I was in the United States. This is me pulling into a lay-by here. We're all in the queue to get this social security number. And you had to go through airport-style security in this office. And the security guard, there was about 10 or 12 of us in the queue, and the security man very politely just said, look, you're not allowed to come into the social security office with any armed, basically. You can't have any weapons. But don't worry, I'll hold your place in the queue. So if you've got if you've got a carrying conceal, if you've got a gun or any kind of carry conceal, you you just go and put it back and, and come back to your place. I'm not joking. Say there was 10 of us in the line. Eight people went. There was only me and one other person left. Friends, that's when I was like, okay, yes, I'm, I'm not in the UK anymore, right? But when I needed a social security number, I didn't go to Marshall College in Aberdeen. I didn't go to Australia. I, I went to the social security office here. We've just applied for a passport for Caleb, a UK passport. We went to Her Majesty's passport office. We we didn't go to the US or Canada. We went there. When I sin against Almighty God, I come to Christ and Christ alone. When I've sinned against God, the creator of heaven and earth, I, I don't look inside myself for an answer. I don't go to wooden images or carved images. I don't look to Allah or Buddha or Zeus. No political party or movement. No, when I sin against Almighty God, I come to Christ and Christ alone, the God-man who alone has authority on earth to forgive sins. What do we need above all? We need forgiveness of sin. That is our greatest and most pressing need of every human in every age. Where do we find it? In Christ alone and friends you know whether in lockdown or or as lockdown eases let me just pause before we go to our third question and and say this that one of the things one of the truths if if not the truth that is going to give us land legs it is going to give us ballast more clear thinking than any other is to know that if we've come to christ in repentance and faith That we really, really, really are forgiven. Look at Jesus' words here. He says to this man, that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. As this man dances home at the end and heads home for the evening, this man leaves this house. Forgiven, he is a forgiven man. 
Friends, lockdown has been hard. Even as things are eased, it's still hard. But friends, for those of you who are in Christ, take assurance and joy today knowing you really, really, really are forgiven. You know, I had a class this morning. I was at seminary this morning. I had a class and, you know, it's really wonderful. It's a privilege to be here to study. And as we're studying, we're looking at the atonement, at what Christ did for us on the cross. And we were discussing this morning, did Christ on the cross just make salvation kind of possible? Or, or did he actually on the cross die for our sins? That yes, that work had to be applied through the spirit in, in time and in, in space reality, but, but he has achieved it. It is truly finished. Friends, on the cross, Christ did not just make salvation possible. No, no, he, he died for our sin. He saved us. If we've come to Christ, we truly, truly, truly are forgiven. He didn't just make it possible as something we've got to go on then and earn and grasp and motivate ourselves for. No, he, he did it. It is finished was his cry. And I think one of the things that will give us ballast and hope in, in any age is to know that we really are forgiven. I, I got to speak to a group of senior adults here at Christ Covenant a few weeks ago had lunch with them there was about I don't know how many 30 or 40 folk there and uh, I actually got to speak to them about Mary Slessor most of you will know a famous missionary from from Aberdeen she was born in Aberdeen although a lot of her life spent in Dundee before going out to Africa and you know when I was there amazing one couple married I think 68 years The, the oldest man was 92 and Anyway, do you know what's really great about spending time with brothers and sisters there was, you know, most of them know they they don't have many months or years until they see Christ face to face. They know the Lord will call them home soon. And, you know, you meet some people and at that stage they're they're just resting in Christ. They, They know that their eyes will close soon. For the last time here on this earth, if you like, but that when they open them, they will see Jesus face to face. And so, friends, whether you're eight or 80, whether you're seven or 77, friends, all of us, that doesn't just happen, does it? It doesn't just happen. It comes from today, today, this Sunday morning, knowing Christ has forgiven me and leaning and resting in him. Friends, whether in time of plague or time of health, whether in time of war or time of peace, whether you're young or old, if you have trusted Jesus, your greatest need has been met. Christ is mine and I am his. What is our greatest hope in life and death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul and life and death to Christ Jesus my Lord. Friends, all around as you ease out of lockdown that the world may be spinning those questions what does the church what does the world what does scotland look like in this kind of post-covid or kind of covid world things may change and be spinning but the, the main things are the same if you've trusted jesus for the forgiveness of your sin you are his and he is yours and there's such joy in resting in him and resting in that what is your greatest need our greatest need every human every mere human forgiveness where do we find it in christ alone third question then what is our response to all of this 
Well, as events unfold here, there are kind of three responses to Jesus, but the first two are responses to these events. And the first one that I said earlier we'd come back to is the response of the Pharisees. The response of the Pharisees. And and in short, the response of the Pharisees to Christ and all he does here, I think Mark wants to show us in the end is that they actually want to kill Jesus for it. Jesus forgives this man, heals this man, and, and the scribes say in their hearts, we want to murder Jesus for this. They are un, uh, extremely unhappy about it. Now, now, how do we get that? Well, this is the first of five short narratives where Jesus comes head to heads with the scribes and the Pharisees. Mark sits all these together and conflict escalates. Okay, Mark raises the conflict theme a bit like a snowball rolling down the hill and it grows and it grows and it grows and he lifts it. So chapter two, verse seven, look down with me. Why does this man speak like that? Is uh, He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're, they're not happy about this. Chapter 2.16, just look at chapter 2.16. And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're not happy about it. Look at chapter uh, uh, 2.24. We'll read in 23, chapter 2.23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields as they made their way. Uh, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Conflict again. Uh, And chapter 3, verse 1. And Jesus entered a synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And, And they watched Jesus to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And he did heal him. And what's the Pharisees' response to all this? Chapter 3, verse 6. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him, how to destroy Jesus. Friends, we skipped over it at the time, but at the heart of chapter 2, 7 and 9 are our passage that the heart of this and the scribes' problem is theological. The scribes have a theological problem with Jesus for forgiving this man because of what it reveals about the character of God, ultimately that he saves sinners. Now notice chapter 2, verse 7, these men are theologically right. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're right, only God can, can forgive sins. They're theologically right, but instead of rejoicing that Christ has forgiven and then healed this man, they grumble and then begin to plot against how to kill Jesus They're theologically right, but their hearts are rock solid. Now, why is that? Well, at least in part, it's what we've just said. These men hated what this episode revealed about the character of God because of what it revealed about their hearts, that they're naked and dirty before a holy God, that they need Christ to wash them clean. So, friends, as we see the Pharisees' response here, guard your hearts Guard your hearts, lest you end up rejecting the one who today you confess. Becoming theologically right, but with hearts made of stronger granite than of Marshall College. This is a real a real warning, particularly, I think, for people like me. People who spend their day in books and in the scriptures trying to learn right theology. But what is it doing to our hearts? This is why we must never 
grow out of the, the habit and, and the joy of praying, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Coming to the Lord to confess and repent our, of our sin. We want to pray that we would cherish the Lord's day and our confession of sin, our assurance of pardon, reminders of the gospel and of God's grace are so precious and so needed, lest our hearts grow hard. So kind of three responses. Firstly, the scribes are angry about this and it's a warning for us, a warning of our own hearts. And I guess a warning as well of what's going to happen when we take this news out. We say to people, you need forgiven by a holy God. People won't want to accept their sinners and will get some hostility from quarters as well. So the, the scribes is, is a warning. What else do we get? Well, if the scribes are kind of a red light and, and a real warning, we, we also have a second response, which maybe acts more like an amber light, if you like. It's, it's the crowd at the end. When the crowd see all this, they, they're there, but they're just not quite there. Just look at verse 12. And he arose and immediately picked up his bed, went out before them, and they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. It's a curious response. So the, the, the scribes are kind of a, a red light, a real warning. It's kind of amber. They're, it's curious. They are glorifying God. They're, they're praising God. It, it's good, we, but we never saw anything like this. It just leaves a little bit of wanting. You see, Jesus has just claimed the authority of the Son of Man to forgive sins, which really is scandalous. If I jumped on a Zoom call after the service with you here and started pronouncing over you, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven, you wouldn't only think I was a screw loose, you'd think I've only got one screw holding me together. These people, yes, they're positive, but this is the key. They're not flat on their faces confessing their sin and coming to Christ. They see that Jesus has done something remarkable, something great, but is it for them? And I think that's worth pausing on, for that is the question of our age, probably. Probably of every age. Maybe your question this morning... Jesus is remarkable. He's done a great thing. But what has that got to do with me? And you know, that then really takes us full circle back to the start. Mark is showing us here with the paralytic that we are broken in a way that only Jesus can fix. And, and the third response, if you like, the, the green light, what Christ longs for us to do is as the paralytic does right at the start is to cast ourselves on Christ is our only hope for salvation, for forgiveness, for right relationship with God. That's what Christ longs for, to cast ourselves on him. We are broken in a way that only Jesus can fix. So if you're asking this morning, what has he got to do with me? He's got everything to do with you. Everything to do with our city and our land and our country. If you're watching this this morning and you're not a Christian, you're maybe watching with a spouse or with a friend or with a uh, parent or a child or whatever it is, you may not believe in sin, in Jesus. You maybe don't think these events are real and not worth the paper they're printed on. And yet yet I would venture you've had or or have at times in your life a a sense of kind of condemnation and and judgment and and guilt that, that, well, you just can't quite shake. And I want to say to you this morning, Jesus is the only answer to that. 
I read this quote in a, in a book the other day, and, and I feel a little bit like a fraud quoting it because I know as much about Shakespeare as I do about American football, okay, which is zero. I have tried in our 18 months here to understand American football, and I can't. I have tried to understand Shakespeare, and I can't, but yet I'm going to allude to him anyway. I was reading this in a book for class, and, it, and I think it's helpful here as we see this response of the crowd. This author quoted Shakespeare and Macbeth, and he spoke about Lady Macbeth. And after her involvement, Lady Macbeth's involvement with the murder of Duncan, what does she do? She goes to wash her hands. And what's happening over and over and over again, she says, these hands will never be clean. She cannot get the smell of blood off them. And friends, if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, and you have that sense, then... Christ is the only one who can. That may be true for you or for our friends as we think about them in evangelism. We need someone to wash us clean. There's a Scottish fairy tale called the Black Bull of uh, Norway. It's mentioned by Tolkien a couple of times um, in his his beautiful essay on uh, fairy stories. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings and the, and the Hobbit, has this beautiful little short essay on fairy stories. And he speaks about the Black Bull of Norway. And it's a kind of Cinderella story, if you like. He calls it a catastrophe. You know, catastrophe goes down, a catastrophe goes up. Okay, kind of fairy tale ending. And to kind of butcher the story a little bit and, and cut to the chase, in the story there's a knight... And the knight gets blood on his chainmail, on his armor. And he needs someone to get it off. And there's a witch that comes and a girl. And various people try and they cannot get the blood off. And the knight says, okay, I'll, I'll marry the one who gets the blood off. I'll love the one who gets the blood off. And all of a sudden, this girl comes along one day and she gets the blood off. She washes it and she marries the knight. Friends, you you love the one who gets the blood off. You love the one who gets us clean. You know, as everyone heads home that night, and, and with this I close, as everyone heads home that night and the paralytic walks and skips home, I I wonder what Jesus was thinking. Not only does he have a hole in the roof that he's probably got to try and fix before the rain starts, I guess, but surely he knows that in order to wash that man's blood off, He's going to need to shed his own. And that is the hope that we offer to the world. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus this morning, that is your only hope. We need forgiveness that Christ alone gives, and he shed his blood to wash us clean. And friends, I want to put that before you as the very thing we want to remember individually and corporately as we get set up in King's Community Church and in time as we land in our new Queen Street building as well. We love the one who gets the blood off. The Lord Jesus who shed his blood to make us clean. That's what we need to know. And it's what we want to make known to Aberdeen, Scotland, and to the ends of the earth. Amen.